And here we go with another relaxing podcast at the cottage just north of Menominee. Scott with you here, as always. Menominee resident Emily takes us to her cabin for a relaxing conversation about things going on in Menominee, Dunn County, and western Wisconsin in general. And, uh, well, Emily, I know you got a couple of guests today, and, and the topic is maybe something people have kind of thought about but never really dive too deep into. And I know it's something you've been having uh, thoughts of wanting to talk about for a while. So I'll turn it over to you and you can bring on the guests and this conversation. Thank you, Scott. Um, I am thrilled to have um, representatives from XL Energy today. Um, Rob, he's the uh, manager of the hydro... um, operations for XL and um, Tracy um, is the project manager of our Cedar Falls Dam project, which is just huge. And I can't wait to get some information about it. Um, First of all, I have a real simple question before we get into it though. How much concrete are you using? Just shy of 30,000 yards. Wow, that's a lot. And when you think about each concrete truck holds maybe 10 yards, it's a lot of concrete trucks. Yes. yes. So anyway, introduce yourself and tell me your background and how you became project manager. You look like you're 20. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Um, So I've been with Excel for about 11 years now, always kind of been in our projects group. Uh, So we, uh, we do the capital project projects at our uh, hydro facilities where we step in and and help out our operations group as we uh, improve these facilities. Um, My past history, I'm a mechanical engineer. I started in our coal facilities, went to our gas facilities, um, and haven't really enjoyed the hydro side of the world for the past four years. Wow. And your background, where did you come from? Where did you go to school? Minnesota is where I live, uh, and I went to school out in South Dakota. Okay, good. And Rob, what can you tell me about yourself? I've uh, been with the, uh, the company XL Energy for just over 31 years. So I, I spent about the first half of my career uh, doing relicensing on the hydro plants that we own in Wisconsin and in the Twin Cities. Um, and since about 2008, I've been a, the manager of hydro operations. So I, I manage the operators that work at a number of our hydro sites uh, in in our service territory. Okay. I have to admit, um, my previous podcasts, I've been able to go in and find so much information to do my homework before um, having the podcast. And I was very limited on what I could find. Maybe I didn't go to the right place or whatever, but um, what what are the purposes of the caverns under the dam well that's a that's a good good question uh in the caverns i, I think that you're referring to is just the, the hollow spillway mm-hmm. section yes. um, at the time that the project was constructed uh first was completed in 1910 although they still hadn't added all the generating units in the plant uh but they they contracted with the amberson company who was a company out of Boston and they were kind of famous for that design where it was they utilized a slab and buttress type design um, and they 
at that time they they indicated it was it was stronger than solid concrete and the the real benefit at that time the, the price of concrete and materials was was extremely high and so it was a way that they could minimize cost in the construction of the dam sure. uh, and, and certainly things have changed and and we have a different viewpoint on things today and, and that's why we're going in a slightly different direction with sure. what we got now but. sure um can you add anything to that no rob did a great job at at covering sort of the the layout of the facility and of course as we go through this modernization project it'll substantially change the the design where we don't have those uh, features anymore um what i have to say something i'm really naive about this project and i i just need to you know absorb a lot of information and i just thought of something it looked like the other day when we had a lot of rain there was no one working and the gates were open so if we get a lot of rain do you have to do that where would that slow your project down or it, it depends um you know as we get into some further questions about the execution of the project um, a lot of the work we have going on is integral and inside of that facility mm -hmm. so we do see a little bit of water coming back in but it, it doesn't necessarily slow progress down uh, but it, of course as you could tell when we had water going over the spillway that road and that access mm -hmm. to get to it really made it challenging so our contractor does have to change their execution plan based on on what we're seeing for for runoff and and predictions of water well the final completion have any effect on the floodplains on tainter uh, good question um, we don't as a company we don't establish those floodplains it's it's you know through the counties through the state ultimately they approve them we essentially pass the water that is coming into Lake Tainer. We have to pass it almost, you know, in a relatively short period of time from our dam or, or potentially lead to a, a dam failure if you're not passing enough water. And likewise, we have our Menominee facility located just downstream in Menominee too, where we do the same thing there. So, mm -hmm. so we don't, we don't set the floodplain uh, with the project that we're doing. We are increasing our ability to pass flood flows. So, we will we'll have more spillway gate capacity to pass more water than what we do with the existing structure. But, you know, the floodplain will be determined by the county and, and ultimately approved by the state. What can you tell me about the history of the Tainter Gates? Well, I know the, the original, I think, design goes back to maybe Captain Tainer back in the day, who was with the Knapp and Stout Company. Uh, the date, I don't, that escapes me, but they've been around for a long time. And there's a lots of different uh, forms of the Tainer Gate, you know, certainly with all the facilities we have, uh, every Tainer Gate is a little bit different, a little bit different design. Certainly the newer Tainer Gates that we use have a lot less moving parts and components that, that make them a little bit more probably structurally sound or whatever. But I think the original or one of them is actually uh, right by the Menominee Dam in town where you can actually see the, the old wooden Tainer Gate. And of course, we've got all steel Tainer Gates today. So tell me about the Tainer Gates that you're putting in exchange are you exchanging out from the old ones or it seems like I read something about six yes okay. so the facility right now has that rubber gate that mm -hmm. Overmeyer gate that goes across the the 
spillway, uh, we're replacing that with six tainter gates. So of course the water level remains the same that you'll see in Tainter Lake, but we are kind of reducing the top side of that spillway. So as Rob was mentioning, we'll be able to pass more flows. Um, it won't be a uh, continuous flow like we see with the Obermeyer where as it comes down and it covers the entire spillway it'll be more dedicated flows in certain directions based on the water levels that we're seeing uh, but we will still have a small section of Obermeyer at the end of the project. Mm -hmm. So I read that um, was it you that did a model at the University of Minnesota? The project did, yeah. So we had a 136 size scale model completed at the St. Anthony Falls Hydraulic Lab uh, in downtown Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And that also helped to prove if the design that our engineers came up with was going to uh, meet the requirements that the regulatory commission had for our facility. Um, and then it also allowed us to look at operational sequence of how Rob's uh, personnel need to operate the facility. To, to pass those flows to ensure that we don't have any downstream risks. And then it also allowed us to look at uh, construction sequencing. How do we pass flows during that time? Where are those flows going? Do we have any concerns with erosion or, or any type of uh, downstream impacts to really help mitigate that and to, to help ensure that we're meeting requirements? Now, when the project is done, you know, there's a lot of concrete there, there's roads, there. It's amazing. I couldn't believe that you did that, honestly. Will that all be removed? So I'm assuming you're referring mainly to that downstream causeway that's going across the river to that rock outcropping. Yes, at the end of the project that will be removed. Currently, right now, it's it's a means of access for our construction contractor to get to the facility. Um, it, it is a very large concern that Excel has from a public safety standpoint. Uh, you know, it's gated off, it's fenced off, uh, and we we have certain procedures that both our employees and our contractors have to get onto that road to ensure that they are safe working downstream of the facility. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Um, many times when I come back and forth here, there's people, you know, standing on the, on the bridge watching, you know, recording it and everything. Now, the, will the work continue through the winter? Yes. So the work is planned to go through uh, the winter from now until 2024. Uh, kind of consistently. You won't really see a whole lot of work going on outside of people trying to access the facility for about the first year here. Um, and as we roll into late 2023, that's when we'll start to maybe see some some more changes uh, to what the facility may or may not look like at that time. I was, when I w came out here this morning, I was noticing um, all the construction trailers how many do you have there? I mean, these are simple questions, but it's I'm curious. You know, it, it usually you'll see like one construction trailer or whatever. Yeah, so it's it's a substantial project. Um, XL has their own project team and engineering support staff on site. So one of those trailers is XL's. Um, and our contractor has a few of them, some for their project management team and then also for their, their crew to have their breaks and to store their equipment and their materials since there is really limited space for us to, you know, move materials around and keep things out of the elements. Now, Rob, when you came in, I showed you pictures. Um, one of the original dams, and then I think the second one. Do you have any idea when that first one was built? 
I, I think the first dam was constructed at the site probably in the 1870s, and that was, I think it was the Knapp and Stout Company. I'm almost mm-hmm. positive of that, and, and that's the first time I had seen that picture, so uh, I'd I like to get a copy of it somehow for our records, too, but... Uh, you know, a lot of the early history of our dams originated with the timber, timber dams. You know that were built for the logging era. Correct. And ultimately, there was a group of prominent lumbermen. I think Ingram, Knapp, and Stout. Uh, they actually bought up a lot of the interests locally. Uh, kind of as the end of the uh, logging era was was imminent, and with the intent of developing hydroplants. And so that's ultimately what happened here. All, and, and of course, that became, you know, there was ultimately the predecessor company to Northern States Power Company, of which we still are today legally known as NSP Wisconsin, doing business as XL Energy. But um, all those interests were kind of transferred. And if you think of NSP, there was a lots of small towns. They all had their own little utility or whatnot. And, and this is just another one of those sites where, um, those companies got bigger and bigger as they merged and so forth. And, and ultimately at the site here, they had the original timber dam. And I did read some things here where uh, when, the, when the new dam closed, that actually that, that old dam flooded very quickly. Uh, just, uh, you know, the inflow into the reservoir was fairly high probably at the time, but it actually, it flooded that, that, that original dam structure. So that dam structure is still in place. You have no idea it's there. It's all inundated by water. But kind of an interesting history from that transition from logging to early hydropower to, uh, you know, today serving the same function that it did 100 years ago. Wow, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? To it's, it's neat. Be yeah. so insightful. I know someone was recently telling me, what did she tell me? That um, the hydro power can be used even from the 1800s. Yeah, the first hydro plant dates back to 1882. Um, <clears throat> arguably, it was at one of our sites, St. Anthony Falls in Minneapolis. It was one of the first, but there was a couple that came online August, September of 1882. And of course, you know, they didn't know a whole lot then. So there was kind of that that steep learning curve. And, and you could actually see it at our plants, whereas as time went on, you know, new developments came about where they could more efficiently use less water to generate more. And and if you think back to the early days, hydropower was a big part of keeping the lights on because there wasn't that much demand. So when Cedar Falls was completed in 1910, there was only one functioning generating unit in the plant. And a, a second was added in 1912 and the and third in 1915. And so if you think back, there wasn't even the demand for electrical power at that time. And suddenly, you know, you look at what's out there today and, and we can't live with, with uh, you know, a, a short power outage. It, it's hard to do that. We've become very dependent on that. So hmm, um, how many households um, does this dam cover for their electric? electrical usage so so if, if we have enough fuel uh to to run the plant which is uh, probably about 2300 cubic feet per second it's a volume of water over time we that's the maximum that we could put through those three generating units and so if we have the optimum amount of fuel available in the river we can generate 7.1 megawatts 
and a megawatt will serve about 750 homes. So if you multiply 750 <laughs> by seven, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the number of homes that, that it would serve. Wow. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 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 Um, so what happens when we wrap the project up? What, what will we see? You will see uh, uh, a modern facility course it'll look different the powerhouse will remain the same we're not we're not touching that uh, the site will be restored to, to how it looked but there will be six tainer gates and a, a stilling basin and what's that a, a stilling basin is where as the water comes over the the spillway uh, it has a lot of energy to it so to dissipate that energy it, it hits these uh, you know large concrete blocks and in, in this situation they'll be submerged under the water so we won't really see them. We'll be able to see them throughout the process of construction. But as soon as we restore it, they'll be about a foot under the, the normal water level that we see. Um, and as we pass flows, that'll help dissipate that energy so that we won't really see any increase in the velocity of the water downstream. Okay. Now, I noticed that when this was first introduced, Excel, I believe, did some press releases. Is Excel planning on doing maybe monthly or quarterly releases to try and keep all the community that are so so curious of what's happening and kind of keep them involved in the communication? Yes, that's a very good point. Um, of course, it's a very interesting project to come and check out. There's a lot of safety concerns with people standing on that bridge wanting to wanting to check and see what's there. Um, we'll have a lot of photo documentation too to provide the, the historical society after the end of this project as well. But we do plan to release announcements as the project progresses where we meet major milestones. Of course, because this project is so long, we're not really seeing changes on a monthly basis, sometimes not even on a quarterly basis. Is there like a Facebook page or something about this project or, you know, where, where pe you know, people could join the group and ask questions and everything? I think it's, it's an amazing project and I want to know more about it. I want to know what's going on, you know, month after month. And I don't think I'm the only one. That's a that's a good point. We have been working on developing a page within our Excel Energy website where you can come and check out what the, the process is and where we are. We'll send photos and attach photos to that. Um, but we're maybe going to see updates on a on maybe a bi-monthly basis. That would be great. Now, where do you, so it's just on the Excel site. Um, you won't have like any interviews or, or, or um, TV coverage or whatever. I, I think uh, we'd, we'd have to put out a media release to do that. Okay, and sure. I think as, as Tracy mentioned, I think as we hit some milestones, I think maybe we, we would put out a press release. I, I know we did have some pretty good coverage this spring from local media, yes. which is good to get that out there. But I think as we meet, you know, those things come up and we put out media releases, I think then, you know, there is a lot of interest in the project. So I think yeah. local media will pick that up and I think, you know, we'll get out there I with that. I hope so. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's what, what is the cost? The cost is about $50 million. Yeah. So I think it's amazing. I, I, I can't encourage you enough to in, 
clued information to the people, um, you know, all of Dunn County or wherever. Um, so what will you do after this project is over? Uh, we've got a lot of investments that we're making at our facilities to modernize them and and to kind of rehabilitate them. You know, we do a lot of concrete replacements at our at our jobs. Uh, we don't really start to get into maybe some turbine replacements at these facilities for a handful more years. Um, but a lot of this work has a few years of planning to get to it. Okay. What about the the dam you mentioned, the dam in Lake Manoman? Are there any future plans on anything that that requires? I think we're in pretty good shape there. We, okay. we spent a fair amount of money probably 10 years ago uh, replacing the, the turbine runners in there and generator work and controls work, et cetera. Um, and that's a more modern facility. That that actually went into operation in 1958. So that's, that's modern by a lot of our right, facilities. Right, right. Uh, we do have one project coming up uh, on the south embankment to the dam sure. uh, okay. where we're going to have to... Over by the museum? Yeah, yeah. on that side. Uh, we just uh, What's there has been there since the beginning, and I think we need to look into to doing something there to stabilize that, that bank. And, and not that there's a dam safety concern there or whatnot, but just to, to make sure that we're in good shape for the long haul there. Um, and as Tracy had indicated, you know, we've got a number of projects coming up and a lot of that supports Excel's uh, efforts to ultimately, you know, in 2050 to be carbon free. Right. You know, we've got a goal of 80% by 2030. Uh, depending on, on a lot of technology to get there, but ultimately, you know, hydro plants, you know, fit into that renewable carbon-free uh, scope that we're looking for. So we're looking to to reinvest into those facilities to make sure that, that they're here for the long haul. Right, right. Now, is there a dam north of here as well? I think there's some small dams. Okay. Uh, I don't believe... That there's any that are that produce power. Okay. I think they're you know just water control sure. structures, sure. you know, and that sort of thing. But I don't believe that there's anything uh, that produces hydropower. So, in your position, do you go like around dam to dam? Is it limited to Wisconsin? We've got 19 hydroelectric plants in Wisconsin, so that would be you know western Wisconsin up up to northern Wisconsin up to like the Hurley Ironwood area. Sure. Some some of those plants are on rivers that feed into Lake Superior. Uh, we've got our St. Anthony Falls project, which is very prominent in, in downtown Minneapolis, right on the river there, kind of the birthplace of, of Minneapolis. So, you know, we. We kind of assess all of our facilities, you know, as far as, you know, what projects are needed. You know, uh, certainly we're, we're regulated by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. They come out and inspect our projects. Uh, things change with time. Engineering changes. You know, we learn more. Nothing ever gets easier. So there are more regulatory requirements than there were even a few years back. And, and, and our facilities have to meet those because, you know, it's a, certainly a dam safety, public safety exactly. issue. So right. we, we try to identify projects kind of within a 10 year window, kind of establish a capital budget, budget. To, sure. to, to forecast <clears throat> those things and, and kind of to levelize those costs over, over you know, between years to, to kind of make it more palatable to the ratepayers who ultimately are, are paying the bill for it. Um, <laughs> so, so can you talk about any future projects that you have 
that would fall into this type of a project? Well, we've got a couple out there. Uh, still trying to get some detail to them. You know, you got to, you know, you first identify there's a need to replace something and then, you know, there's, there's scoping and engineering and design and, you know, there's a whole multi-year effort, but we're looking at doing a fair amount of work at our St. Croix Falls facility, uh, the St. Croix River in Western Wisconsin. Uh, that dates back to 1905. A lot of that stuff is just original sure. dam and so sure. forth. So there's, there's some, some work we got planned there on the spillway, uh, sort of similar to what we have at Cedar Falls here, where we used to have flashboards. Now, yes, I remember now we've got, that. Yep, yep. Now we got the rubber dam since 2006 here, and we're actually looking at maybe putting a rubber dam in or some some other type of thing to to, to pass flood flows. Uh, with soda, we've got a project we're looking at maybe with the spillway there. Uh, and that's that's original structure as well. It dates back to 1917. So wow. uh, those are some of the big ones that we got planned here over the next 10 years. Now, these dams are way before your time, right? And as an engineer, project manager, engineer, um, it has to be just amazing what today's technology is versus 1800. Can you talk about that at all? Yeah. So, you know, not a whole lot, actually, in terms of the power generation aspect of it has changed of, of when we look back to the early 1900s. Um, but the method at which we're doing that construction has substantially changed. Okay. Um, you know, it's amazing to see the how well what they've put in in the 1900s has held up with what we know now and the way we design things now. Uh, and the way we make those improvements, but we do tend to struggle and find things that we didn't expect. You know, so the hydro department is really great at having all of these historical photos that we can look back on, yeah. especially when we maybe run into something that we didn't expect during construction. Sure. And Does that happen often? Often enough. <laughs> um, Keep you on your toes. <laughs> it does, right? I mean, especially even when we have divers in the water, it, it's very hard to see. Um, so we're, we're referring back to those photos to see what they did in the early 1900s. Right. What, what sort of condition was the ground before they laid this concrete? And As project manager, how much time do you spend here? I spend about a day a week. I've got a staff on site that's here a handful, um, and then a uh, on-site uh, construction superintendent who's on-site full-time. Yeah. yeah, that must be interesting. So what do you look for when you come? I, like when I visit the site? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's seen the construction progress. It is such a slow process, um, but it is, it's very unique uh, seeing the road go across the water. Uh, you know, seeing it even being lit up a little bit more inside. It was always so dark and you go in there and you're seeing things that maybe you didn't see before. Sure. Um, and just, we found a handful of artifacts as well as we were cleaning out oh the my insides. God. We're, we're finding uh, old saw blades. Of course, the wooden handle isn't on them, but we're finding, you know, artifacts of, you know, they probably thought it was junk at the time. They sure. threw it in there. And now as we're kind of so going through and cleaning it out. Uh, right now, a handful of it is in our office, uh, but we plan to meet with a historical society here to talk about how we can engage with them and make sure that that history isn't lost. That would for be the very county. cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I have to thank you both. Maybe each of you could say something finalizing in um, this podcast. 
Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. And, and of course, you know, we want to share what's going on with the project. We might have to be a little bit strategic about it, but I know <laughs> I'd I'd really enjoy doing this again as we get along further. Into I the would project. love to have you back. Thank you. Rob? I, th- I think what's just neat about the whole project is just that whole reinvestment and and what companies and, and workers and personnel have done since 19, you know, pre-1910 even. Um, I think, you know, just looking at the craftsmanship and so forth from back then and, and just continuing that today and actually constructing something and being part of something that's going to be around on the landscape for a long, long time. I, I've got a lot of pride in that. And that's, that's, uh, it's pretty cool stuff. So um, I would love, like I said, to have all of you back. Um, my podcast is every other Thursday. And um, my cottage is four seasons. So anytime you want to come out, you just let me know. <clears throat> okay, appreciate the offer. Yeah. It's been great today. Thank you. Um, next podcast I'm so excited about as well is um, Chief R. Menominee Chief of Police Atkinson uh, is coming out here and we're going to discuss human trafficking. Um, school starting. I think it's the perfect time, and why not bring in an expert? Thank you both again, and thank you, XL Energy. Yeah, thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Yep.